chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. If I sound excited, it's because I am. Oh, no. <laughs> That's always trouble for the two of us over here. <laughs> Guys, we're watching football now. How exciting is that? I mean, you have watched some high school football in the last That's year. That's not exciting. <laughs> Classic shotgun. Coming in with, well, you did do this. Contrarian. Like, yeah. Yep. Contrarian. Just trying to make you appreciate that you have been seeing some football. But, yes, it is exciting to be back out USC practicing, starting their fall practice. This, this past week and getting a chance to, to see the players out there, see them up close, see the new coaches and see them interacting with the players up close. I, I think that's uh, really interesting, you know, from the safeties having Craig Nivar right in front of us and him being very meticulous with the, you know, the instruction that he's been giving a lot of those young guys um, to, to being able to see Dante Williams working with the DBs and, you know, just seeing those people up close when we've seen them a little bit in the spring. You know, we got to get a good look at Clay McGuire working with the offensive lineman over top of the uh, at the pool deck. But you know, as far as some of the other coaches who are farther away from us now, we're, they're right in front of us, so it's a little bit of a, a different view for us. And getting to see things up close and you know eye level is you know is, is pretty fun. Feels like back to normal a little bit, which is exciting. But as you guys are previewing, we're going to share our initial thoughts about fall camp. We're going to answer some questions that we got. Thanks to everyone who sent them in. We've got some tweets, some DMs, and some emails, so we'll get to those. And, of course, we'll have some take it or leave it. As a reminder, be sure to look out for a tweet from Shotgun Spratling. He puts it out there when we are recording. We love hearing from you guys and answering your questions. You can also email us at familyviewpodcast at gmail.com. But, Chris, before I cut you off, you were saying... It seems like normal. We're actually on the field now. We can talk to coaches without a computer in between all of us. It's a kind of 2019-ish, if you will. Yeah, I mean, the first, like, real full feeling of fall camp is, you know, everyone huddled around the tunnel the first day when they all come out. And we had that same kind of energy, you know, not as many fans as usual because campus is still, like, closed down a little bit. But still a lot of media, a lot of photos, a lot of video Everyone's excited, security guards waving people by. So that that was nice to get that energy. And like Shotgun said, it's nice to see everybody in person, conduct interviews in person, you know, see people up close and personal. Uh, It's weird seeing people live and in person. (laughs) I realized in the middle of Vic Soto's scrum on Monday that, one, I hadn't actually seen him up close in person, and two... He's a very large man. Like, I knew he was a large man, but he's a very large man in scrum form. Looks like he's still playing the NFL. Yeah. Like this, I, this week, suit up for a preseason game and be all right. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he, he continues his work in the weight room. So, you know, that that always motivates the players, too, when you have some of the coaches that will work out with you and, you know, are, are pushing you as well as pushing themselves. So I, I think you need some guys like that as well. And, 
you know, he looks like, like Chris said, he looks like he could suit up and be ready to go. So if suddenly you, you don't see Vic Soto on the sideline, USC has an injury or two in a game and Vic Soto disappears, you know, keep your eye. He might be, you know, with a, with a uniform on or something. Somebody asked, I was talking to Jake Lichtenstein, obviously another built, yoked young man was asking about Vic being, you know, big and intimidating. Jake was like, yeah, he, he, he's intimidating. He doesn't intimidate me, but I'm sure other people. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Vic doesn't hear that because then it's going to be a full on intimidation fest going on. But yeah, that was pretty funny. It's like, not me. I was like, yeah, not you. <laughs> I feel like we will talk around things and have this be a very long initial thoughts section. So I'm just going to like throw out phrases or position groups and get your guys' thoughts to kind of streamline initial thoughts. I'm curious what phrases you're going to throw out rather than just position groups. I don't know, like shoulder pads and see what happens. <laughs> this feels like my therapy session. <laughs> and I don't like it. I mean, we're three practices in. We've seen three practices, two of which have been jerseys and helmets, so you can't glean too much from that. But overall, the atmosphere of practice, we saw some physical uh, kind of raw, raw stuff in spring, and we were curious what we were going to see in fall initial thoughts of, of what we're seeing i mean i think it's continuation of what they started in the spring you know with some of the physicality and stuff we'll see once they get the full pads on you know what type of drills they're trying to do if they continue that that's one of the things i did ask clay helton about is you know you mix some things up in the spring and change some drills and then change the practice plans a little bit do you want to do that again in the fall or do you want to have the same structure and kind of get in that routine to get you ready for games he said they want to get into the routine. He said the players like having a routine. So we'll see what happens when the full pads come on. I don't think that's advantageous for them. I think you've got to mix it up. 18 to 22-year-olds, I think you're always wanting to mix things up and change things up a little bit, keep them on their toes. We'll see when they get the pads on, and maybe if they, they feel that they have a lull in a practice or two, then maybe they say, hey, this isn't working. Let's make an adjustment. And that's something we saw in the spring a little bit more. I want to see if that continues in the fall. But so far, I think that you've seen a lot of energy from the players. Uh, getting the pads on, the shoulder pads on yesterday, not the full pads, but getting the shoulder pads, get a little bit of thumping in there. We saw some you know players flying around ready to hit somebody, and I know they're waiting for a couple more days when they can really hit somebody, especially on the defensive side. And I know those defensive coaches, talking about Vic, you know, and, and you know his and Vic's, uh, and Todd Orlando's philosophy of, you know, if the full pads aren't on, then it's not a real practice. You know, you know they're ready for the full pads to be on. Even with the shells, they seem they still seemed kind of feisty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you pointed that out, Keeley, when we're – when during the one-on-ones, we could see team run going on on the far side. Can't use binoculars, so couldn't really get any like detail. But it seemed like they were they were really, I don't want to say hitting, but they were like popping each other. And it was an unexpected level of t- intensity, given the fact that they had no protection at that point. I was like, okay, they're really going. So well, we've seen like Chris Thompson, the the Auburn safety, step up in the hole and you know put a pop on some guys even before they got the full pads on. So you know those, especially the the new guys coming in, whether it be the transfers or the freshmen, wanting to make their mark, wanting to show what they can do, they're ready to hit somebody. Um, and I think you know some of the offense alignment, they're ready to hit somebody too. You know, Corey Foreman comes in with a lot of you know. Uh, Expectations, a lot of expectations, hype. a lot of hype. That's the word I'm looking for. A lot of hype, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of everything around all the you know, stuff that USC is putting out with their tweets and you know, just a lot of uh, propaganda is not the right word, but a lot of you know, highlight material 
and it's deserved. You know, he's was the number one player in the 2021 composite uh, a few weeks ago coming in. And the offensive linemen say they, they kind of take that. Those veterans like, all right, let me see what this Rook's got. And he got a, you know, a welcome to college moment a couple times the, in the first uh, shoulder pad practice. Got put on his butt by the offensive linemen, a couple pulling offensive linemen during the team period. So I think that's a learning experience for him. But that tells you those offensive linemen, they're ready to hit somebody too, especially after you know all the talk about this new this young freshman coming in. They want to see, all right, let's see what he's got. And they're going to go after him, and I think that's only going to make him better as the, as the fall progresses too. So I'm, I'm excited to see those offensive line, defensive line battles and how that offensive line continues to progress. We'll obviously talk about that in just a second, but how that group progresses as the fall camp goes along in their first, you know, first, first fall camp under Clay McGuire. It was at the point where I thought we were on there's about to be a fight watch. Like mm-hmm. it seemed very feisty and I, I wonder just what's going through Corey Foreman's mind when you're going against offensive linemen that are like, Okay, come at me. I'm not scared. I'm not like this I'm this, not a high schooler. Yeah, I'm not like a four foot high schooler. Like let's see what you got. So I thought that was interesting because the offensive lineman did not back down from that challenge. Yeah, he's probably facing some lineman now and you know, he's faced some of those modern day, you know, you know, true sure, contests sure. and stuff, but you know, when they get in the league play, he's going up against some guys that are probably 60 pounds lighter than some of the offensive linemen he's facing at USC. So it's a little bit different challenge for him, and you know, it'll be an adjustment period for him as well. Talk about you talk about being feisty, and you guys saw it on Saturday. Or you know, the practice I wasn't at, but you guys uh, saw a couple of uh, skirmishes. It sounded like back and forth. It was interesting because there was two that we saw, and then we left the pool deck a little bit early because we were kind of ushered out. And you could just tell by the amount of whistling, something was happening. It was just like whistle, 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 yelling, yelling, yelling. And then just the the gravelly clay yelling that followed after that, like something happened that was not good. So it was one of those like, I don't know, it was like a radio show where you're kind of envisioning what's happening while hearing it, but you can't actually see what's happening. So it, it sounded feisty. Sounds of the game where, you know, you're maybe you're paying attention to your computer and something's on the TV sure. screen and suddenly you hear the the whistles going. You're like, wait, I got to look up and see what's going on here. That sounds like there, there's something going on. Because I turned to Chris and I was like, there's a fight happening. This <laughs> sounds like fight music. <laughs> fight music. All right. Eminem. Um, D12. Oh, good call. Uh, but when you... Get the pads on, you know, when you get out there. And the fact that these guys, it's been so long since they've been in spring practice. And like I said, those young guys wanting to prove themselves, I think you're going to see that a good amount. Um, and, you know, this is something that we saw a little bit in the spring with Michael Jackson and Chris Steele going back and forth. I asked Chris Steele a little bit about Michael Jackson actually this week, and he said, I said, you you guys were kind of going back and forth in the spring. He's like, yeah, he's a competitor. You know, I like that. And, you know, he's a young guy who wanted to kind of prove himself. And I think that's what you're seeing from those newcomers right now, them trying to prove themselves to the veterans and to the coaching staff. Okay, new phrase time. Quarterback play. Thoughts? I don't really have, like, a strong opinion on quarterback play right now. I think, especially yesterday on Monday, Keaton, I thought, had some really nice deep passes. There were a lot of deep connections mm-hmm. going on between Drake London. Todd Washington caught a really nice ball down the field. I had someone ask me about it on the P, like, how do you feel about Keaton's arm? I, I personally haven't seen anything that you know gives me concern. I think he's thrown some really nice deep balls. I'm not saying he's going to be like 2019 Keaton, but I'm saying there's nothing that's worried me at any point or should worry fans that I've seen. Uh, going with the freshman, I think one of you pointed out that Miller looks a little bit more confident. Uh, Keeley's pointing to shotgun, so shotgun, I will give you the credit, that he does look a little bit more confident. On Saturday, I saw him make a really nice 
rolling off-platform jump pass. It was like a very Sam Darnold-esque pass. The ball was a little wobbly, but it got there, and it was a first down. And then Jackson struggled a little bit the other day, but he stayed late, got some extra reps in after practice, last one off the field. That's something you want to see after after a rough practice. But, you know, he's still slinging the ball over the field. You know, probably needs to have bounce back this week with some with a better day. But, you know, I think it's still the same stuff we saw in spring. Nothing that's completely new that's jumping out to me. Yeah, I think it's a little too early to make any broad judgments, but you know, just some early snap judgments, I guess. It would be that Keaton Slovis, like you talked about, you know, some nice deep balls. The thing that I think is most important with Keaton Slovis is you haven't seen that pass and you go, oh, mm, that's a concern. Yep. You know, a pass where he just is off the target by, you know, five yards or something, which is we did still see a little bit in the spring. You know, it was pretty rare, but we did see it occasionally. Um, just the, the continued confidence and what he's talked about during the offseason of how it was the first time last year that he couldn't put the ball where he wanted to. And, you know, he was having that mental block, but also, you know, struggling with the arm a little bit. The fact that we're seeing the arm strength and we're not seeing a couple of those throws that are just, you know, just really wide or really high or anything like that. You know, I haven't I can't think of any one throw where I've been like, oh, that's that's really off target. Um, you know, he's the misses that he's having are small misses. And that's what you want. That's a you know very pitcher type of, of mentality is, you know, aim small, miss small. And so far, that's been the case. So, you know, I think that's a positive sign for USC there. I think it's a positive sign that Miller Moss has come back and has played with more confidence. He's moving around. The, he had some really nice pocket movement in the first, you know, shoulder pads practice to avoid some pressures. But you can tell that his confidence has grown from the spring. And I think that was expected after, you know, a year and a half of not playing football. And then now suddenly he got, a, got an opportunity, he got his feet wet during the spring. I think it was expected from me that he was going to take a jump forward. Uh, and we'll see where he and Jackson Dart, I think, should be a really good competition now as the camp progresses because Miller Moss has taken that jump forward. And, you know, those are two highly competitive guys. So I think that you'll see a really good battle throughout the spring. But I think a little bit too early to make, you know, any – you know, broad statements about it and, and, you know, make any conclusions so far. Yeah, agreed. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, talking about wide receivers, something coming out of spring camp we noted was that it's kind of Drake London and then everybody else. But I think the new faces have kind of impressed so far. Taj Washington, definitely a name. Malcolm Epps, I know he's not a wide receiver, but I'm going to throw him in there. Um, what are your overall thoughts of what we've seen? I think it seems like a better connection right now than what we saw in spring. Yeah, I was really excited to see Taj Washington, and early results are, are you know have been – telling me that he's going to be a guy that's definitely in the mix to start uh, and is going to be a guy that's going to get plenty of, of time in the rotation. He does a really he's got the speed, obviously, and that's a, a big part of his game getting being able to get behind the defense, but he's really he has some really good hand, you know, knowing where to put his hands on the DB when the ball is in the air, you know, just he's really smart about the way he goes about when the ball's in the air to be able to catch it even though he has that small frame. Um, so I, I think it's been very interesting seeing you talk about Malcolm Epps and we saw him and Taj Washington lined up beside each other and it's kind of you know humorous. Keely pointed out he's like she said look at that you got six six Malcolm Epps and you got you know under six foot Taj Washington I think he's listed at five ten uh, standing side by side so and you had Washington being the outside guy normally it's the other way around you know the big body receiver is the outside guy and you have the shifty slot but that's the thing that I think is interesting about the newcomers and just the receivers in general is that. 
you've got a bunch of different bodies and they're lining them up in, in different positions. So you got big body receivers like Kyle Ford and, and Drake London. You got the smaller guys like Gary Bryant, Taj Washington, but you're seeing them move around and do and, and be in different positions. So I'm curious to see where that all kind of shakes out and how they move those guys around once you actually get into games. Are we gonna are they just kind of testing the waters to see where everybody is? Or is there going to be actual movement in games where you try to you know match up guys against certain defensive players and, and try to exploit some mismatches? That's you know something that I've been clamoring for a little bit and something that maybe we'll see a little bit more now, the way that they're you know moving guys around a lot. It sounded like Graham Harrell was aware of that. He kept saying the word creative. You can get creative with the new faces, and he talked about how just there's a lot of new bodies and new new talent in the room. But and he also mentioned running backs there, but um, it just sounds like he's more aware of the fact that one, maybe this offense needs to be more creative, but two, you can be with kind of the different variety of, of talent you have this season. Obviously, Shotgun pretty much vacuumed up all the points, you know, <laughs> that's what, that's as, what he, as does. he does. But I think one storyline or one person we've all been talking about is kind of Kyle Ford yep. and his kind of reemergence with his offense. Obviously, he's been battling some some heavy knee injuries. Uh, we weren't sure about it in the spring. He was he was limited, but he's been pretty much full go uh, in the fall camp, and he's made some impressive plays. Had an incredible one headed catch, I believe, on the first day of, of mm-hmm. uh, fall camp. But he looks good out there, and you can just tell watching him. He's fun to watch because he's just always having fun out there. You know, he's shadow box and he's dancing around. And he brings this this nice positive energy, and he's a kid you want to root for. So it's it's great to see him out there. You know, you lose a five star like Bruce McCord, but you have another one. Don't sleep on Kyle Ford. You know, if he's healthy, I think he can be a real playmaker for this team. And I think we've seen that through the first three days of camp. I think out of the three of us, I've done the biggest flip-flop on how I feel about Kyle Ford since spring camp to fall camp. Spring camp, I was like, his knee just doesn't look 100%. I think he's pushing it a little too much. And I've been really impressed by what I've seen so far from him in fall camp. He just looks... He's running hard. He's running. I turned to Chris yesterday and I was like, that's a guy who's running with a chip on his shoulder. Like he's playing aggressively and like he wants this time to be his time now. So I just, I am impressed so far from what I see and hopefully the health and everything stays put. I think the biggest thing, the difference from spring to now is fluidity. Um, That's a good point. I think that he's just moving much better, you know, in and out of breaks. You know, the, I don't know necessarily top end speed, how different that may necessarily be, but just as he moves on that knee more and gets more comfortable with it, I think that's what we're seeing is that there's a more comfort for him and, and the comfortability of being able to trust that knee. Okay, you know, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worrying that if I cut one way, you know, I'm going to feel something. He's just he's come back, and you're starting to see more and more confidence build. And when I talked to him right before uh, fall camp started, ton of confidence. He's smiling. He, you know, he's, his smile is infectious. Everyone around him, you know, Chris is talking about the shadow box and everything. But he's just he's having fun. He's having so much fun just being back because, you know, he said he told me he said, well, if I have to miss some time, at least it was 2020 where it was a six-game season versus a 12-game season. I didn't want to miss any time. But he said the thing he missed the most was just being around you know, his brothers, being around the players and stuff. So he's having a ton of fun being out there. Um, and, and I think that you know, it's rubbing off on everyone around him because there's a big opportunity. There's Drake London, and then there's big question marks after it. Who's going who's gonna to step up because unfortunate situation with Brew McCoy where he, he has an off-the-field issue, he's not with the team. He was expected to be that number two receiver, at least from us. And now Kyle Ford probably looks at it and says, 
hey, that's mine to go win. That's my job to go win. Well, that's the same thing that Gary Bryant and Taj Washington and all these other guys are looking at too. They're saying, you know, even someone down the line like John Jackson, who we kind of forget about, he's made some nice plays. He just seems to, you know, he's always making catches when you see him in the one-on-ones or you see him in in a seven-on-seven. And he probably looks at it and says, this is my opportunity to step up and, you know, find my way into the rotation. So I think all those guys are seeing because of Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughn, and going back a year, Michael Pittman, all those guys being gone and all the catches, all the snaps that they gobbled up, now you look at it and you go, all right, we know Drake London's going to be on the field. Who else is going to be there? This is my opportunity to step up and you know earn some playing time. One last thing on the wide receivers to add, Joseph Manjack, the freshman. Oh, my goodness. How did I not mention this? You know, he's made Stock. It. All of it on Manjack. I'm whoa, sorry. Whoa. <laughs> buying all the stock right now. Chris, back me up on how much I've been raving. It's a yes and no. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't want to give me credit. He doesn't want to give me credit. Keely has claimed that she has been an early. I have been in on Manjack, and I will say yes to that. That she has been an early stock buyer, but also she also blatantly said, "I was really big on it, but I never verbalized it. I didn't want to say it out loud." And that I didn't say I didn't want to say it out loud. That's a coward's way. (laughs) You either go down with it. Signing day is an early time to put stock in people. Yeah, you know what? You would have been broke in the 80s. You would have been like, I really like this Apple stock, but I don't want to do it. I'm going to – I really like – it's a cute logo, a little Apple. But but no, I'm not, not, I'm not going to do it. Now you're a broke, broke girl living in the streets of Hollywood on this, on the, I mean, that's in also Santa true, Monica. But yes. But my point being – sorry, Shaka, I just ripped this out of you from your mouth. Uh, I'm – very intrigued by man jack i've said that many times he continues to intrigue me shotgun take it away yeah back to man jack he's made a number of, of catches and made a nice one-handed catch maybe two one-handed catches uh yesterday two, two one-handed touchdown catches in the in the one-on-one period so he's already making an impression you know mike jack made an impression during the the spring so you know a lot of guys are stepping forward and there's like i said i think it's because they see that there's opportunity let me go prove myself. And we're seeing a lot of guys step up. It's going to be a, a tough uh, tough battle, I think, at the wide receiver position. It's kind of fun to have a battle there because I feel like for so long it's been pretty predictable. And now there's some options there. Will we see rotation? Will we see, hey, we've got eight guys that are really doing well. Let's. How do we get six, seven of those guys involved in the game plan? Or is it going to be, we found our three starters, we're sticking with that. That's something I'm curious to see as the the fall progresses as well. Tight ends. That's my new phrase for y'all. As the majority stockholder in the tight ends position, it's only right that I go first. And as a former tight end myself... Same here, though. uh, Keep your broke girl energy over there. (laughs) I don't want it. I'm broke because I went all in. You're broke because you were too scared to. So stay over there. Let me make my point, which is very quick, in that it's a very stacked room. I, I talked to Jude Wolf a little bit about this, but you got a healthy Jude Wolf. You got two redshirt seniors in Josh Fallow and Eric Cromenhoek. You got Malcolm Epps. You got Lake McCree, who got a lot of playing time in the spring because of some injuries, got some got some reps. And then you obviously have the big blue chip recruit in Michael Trigg, who's just a head turner. You look at him and like, that guy can play. So very stacked room. Will they find a way to get some of these guys on the field, give them some impact? That remains to be seen. But you know, it, it seems in practice that they're trying to get them involved. They're trying to get them going. We've seen some some deep shots taken to Michael Trigg. He had the 
He had that really nice uh, backpedaling catch a couple days ago. We've seen some deep shots to Epps, seen Trey get involved. You know, Jude Wolf made a nice catch and run yesterday. So, you know, we've seen this stuff before, though, but it, it seems like this is the time to really get them because of just how much talent you have in that room. We're seeing those guys get some targets in practice, which we've seen in the past. But the big question will still come in a couple of days when they put full pads on. Can Malcolm Epps put his hand on the ground and block in a run game? Is Jude Wolf, you know, it, all these guys we just talked about as pass catching options, Lake McCree, Michael Tree, are those guys going to be capable of being blockers or can they only be used, bring them in as a package and split them out? Um, you know, that's going to be the big question. If they can block enough and can be helpers in the run game, instead of being detractors in the run game, then that can become a position of strength for USC. But if they don't block well enough, then you know they're just a big receiver out there. And they don't run as fast. They don't move as, as well as Drake London. So none of those guys are exactly that Drake London fit um, from watching their movements and stuff. Michael Trigg, Malcolm Epps, they can be mismatches, but none of them are as fluid as Drake London is, can, can, can move their body as well as he can. So none of them are quite that guy to be that option as the inside guy in the receiving. So they need to be able to block to add that much more uh, potential to the USC offense. I feel like overall, it's wait and see, and it's like, they're there. The talent's there. Can you utilize it? Can you really take advantage of it? And the answer prior to the season was no, and now it's TBD. This feels like one of the few positions where they've really, on the offense, where they've really upgraded the talent. Where the talent was down, they've upgraded the talent. Now, can that, does that, do they make that transition into production on the field? That's what we're waiting to see. One you could argue is similar, running backs. I feel like that is a group that is different now. Definitely different. Definitely different, and that's what Harold was. He was kind of laughing about how different it is. He was like, that's a room that had a lot of transition over the offseason. You can't tell too much during the first three days because, you know, it's not full pads. They're not going to be full-on running uh, with no protection on. But overall, Shotgun, I know you have made some comments about Brandon Campbell. That's a guy who stood out to you. I think Vi has kind of stood out to me a little bit. I feel like he is in Vi health form of a guy who's reliable back there. And then we saw some good stuff from Kenny Christen as well. I think it's an intriguing position group, but kind of in the same vein, can you really utilize the the talent you have there? Yeah, I mean, Brendan Campbell's a guy that makes, it feels like every practice he makes at least one run where he kind of catches your eye. Keenan Christen, a, a, a decent Decently long touchdown run yesterday up the middle. Once he breaks through and gets to that second level, there's no one catching him. So can you find a way to utilize that? Vi, I'm still getting used to the number six. With him wearing number six, it's a little it's, bit different for weird. me. It's weird. It's um, weird. But uh, Keontae Ingram, I think, continues to make some runs that are impressive. So you know, I think there's there's talent there. Darwin Barlow is a, a, a big body guy. You know, and I'm curious to see when they get the pads on short yardage situation if he maybe that's his role. Uh, so there's some intriguing pieces there. Again, it, it's a very different room. So I'm curious to see. And running backs is a position you, you can't really identify how, how things are going until the full pads are on. So that, that yeah. was a, a group to keep an eye on, though, because a lot different and one we're going to be watching just because there's so many new pieces there. And then obviously a position group of intrigue and importance, offensive line. We were on offensive line watch all last spring, and we continued to do so in fall. Chrissy T, your initial observations from that group. Still a lot of mixing and matching. You know, we saw Cortland Ford 
play that left tackle spot on day one. And then the very next day, we had Jonah Monheim at the left tackle spot. So a lot of more flipping and flipping early. And I'm assuming that's just because they have less time. They had a whole spring and several months into the season. So they wanted to wait on that a little bit more. But now it's more like we're flipping it every day, trying some new combinations. I think there was combos where we had a new right side and a new left side. So a lot of mixing and matching. I talked to Clay McGuire and asked him about the left tackle competition. He didn't really give anything away. He just said it's an open competition right now. We feel like we have three or four guys that can play that spot right now, highlighting, you know, Monheim, Ford, uh, Jalen McKenzie, and then Andrew Voorhees uh, through Casey Collier's name out there as well. But didn't really give any tipping of to where his, where his, his hand may be laying with those guys. I still feel like it's Ford's to lose. Yeah, whoever gets those first team reps on the first day, that's usually the guy that you look pointing at and going, that's you know, that's the leader at least coming into the fall. I think it was pretty interesting. You talked about the mixing and matching. They've done some coupling where it's the you know, they they mix the the first team left side with the second team right side and then flip that. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that they're doing the mixing and matching so early. I think it's a positive sign. And yep. you know, it's something that you know, we're going to mix and match. Well, when are you going to do that? And then it would be three or four weeks later that they actually did that. I think they're getting into it right now and, you know, just, you know, forcing the competition from the early. Even before we put the full pads on, we're going to be in competition mode uh, and you guys are going to have to battle this out. And I think that's the message that's been given to the offensive line. And like I said, you know, I, I think that they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, some of those older guys in particular, because, you know, they've been badmouthed their entire career. And I think they want to prove they can be a successful offensive line. Can they do that with Clay McGuire? That's a wait-and-see type of thing. But I feel like they've come into this camp. You know, I think you've seen Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim and even Andrew Voorhees. You're seeing those guys. Just the upper body strength seems to be there better with Robert Steiner. It seems like they've, you know, we, we talked a little bit about different guys have lost some weight around their waist and they've added some weight to their, you know, to their chest and to their shoulders. Will that pay off? You know, are they going to be a push guys around a little bit this fall? That's going to be a big question. But I think that they're they're coming in. They understand the pressure that's on them and what they have to do. And that that left tackle position in particular is is probably the most intriguing position battle of the fall because who is going to protect Keaton Slovis' backside? And I also just want to throw out that McGuire was very complimentary and a little bit raved just about Justin Dietrich, when I asked him about him, you know, playing that guard position, you know, a guy who was a highly rated center coming out of high school, and he just kind of lit up about him, just kind of in a good way, just kind of saying, you know, I think he might be our most valuable offensive lineman right now because he can play either right guard, left guard, center, and special teams. And he's just a he's just a guy who brings his hard hat every day to work. It's a very Texas phrase of him to say, but he he he's he's key to them just because he can play he can back up three positions and he also called him probably their most physical offensive lineman you know coming out of the spring camp and as you mentioned earlier he was the guy who kind of went toe-to-toe with Corey Foreman earlier today because so he's not afraid to get in someone's face so I think there's that's a guy we're also excited to see when the pads come on I think it's interesting at least through the first couple of days and this could definitely switch he's been at guard exclusively you know, the second team center, that's normally where he's been. He's mixed in a little bit at guard and done, done different things like that in the past. No, he's not just a backup center anymore. He's a true guard prospect for them. And Andrew Milik is the guy that's taking all the second team center reps. So I think that was that's interesting. That tells me that 
you know, he's taking a step forward at least as as a potential guard candidate rather than saying, "Hey, we got to make sure that he's ready to be our backup center." They're working him at guard because they think that's a, that's a legit option for him. And that's the value of Milik being able to play that second team center and free him up mm-hmm. when he got injured uh, at the end of spring camp. You know, quickly Justin had to shuffle back to center, and that was that. So that's where he kind of stuck the rest of the camp. So lost valuable time that he could have got more at guard. Circling back really quickly to your coupling pairings point, I thought it was really interesting because my biggest question is how do you find the best five in a short amount of time without sacrificing potential chemistry that you need to build as five? And I feel like that's kind of a solution for it in the sense that you can be next to uh, – you can if their plan is to keep the pairings together, you know you're going to be next to that guy – whether or not you're going to be the starter or not is TBD, but you're at least building up that chemistry with those reps. So I thought it was an interesting, because we haven't really seen USC do that before, so I thought it was an interesting solution, I think, to a, a chemistry question mark. Yeah, and we've seen guys move around a little bit. We saw Liam Jimmins play some tackle at, at, at one point in practice late uh, on on the, on the first shoulder pad day. We've seen Liam Douglas take some center snaps. So they're moving guys around a little bit too, but those couples and, and kind of, Keeping those guys together, I think, really tells you that they're trying to work and see if that is the fit. Now, if they mix that up, that'll be interesting to see. You know, if they go back to Monheim at left tackle beside Andrew Voorhees, do they then mix those guys together? That'll be something to keep an eye on as well as the as the fall camp progresses. Alrighty, let's switch sides of the ball. Defensive line and outside linebackers. What have you seen so far from that grouping? Versatility. I, I talked about this in the spring and, you know, they look so much stronger now that they got Nick Figueroa back, who, according to Vic, is up like close to 30 pounds from last year at 277. Tuli Tui is up to 290. That was a guy I figured was going to put on more weight because his frame can certainly hold it. And then, you know, a guy I have a lot of stock in, Jamar Sakona, making me feel vindicated, getting a lot of those first team nose tackle spots. I think he's ready for a breakout year. That's a really strong line, but then you throw in you know, a guy like Jacob Lichtenstein who's healthy. He's excited to get back out there. You can tell by talking to him. I talked to him on Monday that he's just like super jazzed up to be back out here. You know, He hasn't <laughs> played football in like two years because of the injury, and then he sat out, then he came back. So I'm expecting big things from him. And then you know, hope you get some development from guys like Kobe Pepe. And then Corey Foreman's been a frequent member on the second team defense. He's made a couple plays. So all in all, you know, you're worried still about that depth. Uh, Ishmael Sopcher, I'm going to let Shotgun talk about that there because he needs something to to talk about for 10 minutes. But, <laughs> you know, Vic said he's not concerned about that depth at the nose tackle position, but it's still something that should be on the mind. Um, but I think they're all right right now. You know, they can't afford any more. In, they can't afford any, you know, unexpected injuries at that position or anywhere on the defensive line. But I think they have a lot of good versatility with those guys. And that's a dangerous position to be thin on depth because defensive tackles are in the midst, their arms get caught, and they get yanked back. You have you know pec injuries, you have shoulder injuries. Um, so that's a dangerous position to be thin on. So it's really important for those guys, those young guys, to take a big step forward. And I think we've seen that this offseason you know, with the molding of the bodies from Sakona to Pepe, the guys you talked about. Um, Dejan Benton, I think, is is making some some inroads at getting some second team reps. You yeah. know, he's been a guy that's kind of caught my eye a couple of times. And but the big question is Ishmael Shopshire. 
Now, the first day of practice, he was out there. He did some individual work. was great to see. We weren't necessarily expecting that coming off the PRPs. We hadn't really seen him out there doing much um, or walking to do much since we can't see the PRPs ourselves. But, you know, he was able to do some stuff. And they backed him. They backed him down the first shoulder pad day. He didn't participate. He was in flats. So you know, is there was that a scheduled day off, or was that something that he had a little bit of a setback? That's the question there. And Vic Soto was asked about him. Do you hope that he'll be back? And he said, Yeah, absolutely. I hope he'll be back. Uh, now, where does that mean? You know, does, is he counting on him to be back? Is he expecting him to be back? That's a completely different question, I think, that wasn't asked of Vic there. But that's a big question mark. They need to get him back in the mix just to alleviate, you know, needing to have those three guys, those three young guys play 50 snaps a game or whatever it may be, or having to change your defensive alignment to to kind of soften the blow there. Um, but so far, those guys are making some plays. Sakona had a big tackle for loss yesterday, you know, just breaking through the line to get to – it almost took the handoff from, from the quarterback himself. So, you know, those guys are making some plays, which is a positive development for USC. Big question still – is where is Drake Jackson? We haven't seen him yet. You know he's in uh, health and safety protocols right now. When he comes back, is he going to be ready to jump right in? And is he going to be the playmaker that we expect him to be? We didn't see him a ton in the summer either with the PRPs. He was at the last one, but that was the only one we saw him at. So you know where is he at? Where is his head at when he gets back? Can he jump in and be an immediate impact guy, or are you waiting on him to kind of grow into you know his potential? as he's you know coming back and being a little bit behind everybody that's a big question mark for me too while drake isn't there you know i still think when he does come back he could you could just easily slot him in just because of his talent but i think hunter eccles and juliana ofalanico are getting some valuable reps in practice just because of that just if they need him to be ready if something else happens during the season so i think they're still getting something out of drake not being there and that's more reps for those guys and Valenico is a guy in pass rush situations that is getting to the quarterback, is getting and creating some pressures and potential sacks. You know what? What's a real sack in a in a practice where nobody can touch the quarterback? <laughs> uh, but he was doing the same thing at the end of last season too. You know, he was getting back there and he was getting some reps at the end of the year at that position as well. So keep an eye on that battle behind Drake Jackson when Drake Jackson comes back because Giuliano could push Hunter Eccles for some playing time as well. I always forget this in the moment when we get like sleeper questions or stuff like that. Juliana Falonico has been like a sleeper guy for me where he can play well. It's just he's had injury issues and stuff like that. I just think if he does have extended period of time to develop and be healthy, I think we've seen good things from him. I'm going to use this moment to talk about a very important thing, and that's PG County Beach Boys. <laughs> Obviously, there's a DeMatha alum on the team and Colin Mobley. We've talked about him in the summer, how he came in bigger than maybe anticipated. He's a mm-hmm. big boy, thick boy. And, you know, maybe in the middle, middle of the season, maybe he's ready to be a guy who can help at the defensive tackle position because he has that body type, big and strong. The water we drink out there in PG gives us these strong ham hocks. <laughs> oh, God. Stop slapping your thighs. Slapping my what? Your thighs. My what? Your thighs. Shotgun, what is she talking about? You slapping them ham hocks? Yep. <laughs> I think he's coming along. Got a little more team reps today or yesterday on Monday. He had a nice tackle for a loss. So plays are coming. And I asked Jacob Lichtenstein about it. Like, look, everyone's talking about Corey Foreman. 
But let's talk about the PG County Beach Bowl. What do you think about Colin Mobley? He's like, don't get it twisted. Colin Mobley is a workhorse. So that's what he liked to hear. Everyone is really high. Everyone, I, I talked to Nick Figueroa about it. He was also very big on him. Said he seems like he always got the playbook down. So don't sleep on DeMathis Finest. Not talking about me, but I'm talking about Colin Mobley. Just want to throw that out there. And now I'm done. Keely, can I have your show back? I don't want it anymore. Glad you had your, your little moment there, Chris. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Gonna make it a new segment. Or I just talk about a Pagey no. County Beach Boy no. every week. How many options do you have? I feel like I can, I can dig some up. I'm a journalist. I can research. Okay. I, can, I can work a Google machine. Okay, let's move on to inside linebackers. Chris put his tinfoil hat on the very first practice of fall camp. And it proved to be right. He was like, I think something's going on with the inside linebackers. Because we saw, you know, who we've seen, Raylan Goforth, Kanai Malga, but we have seen a lot of Raymond Scott. And so he put his tinfoil hat on and he said, I think I think there's some open competition there. And then Todd Orlando basically confirmed it on Monday and said, it's a three-man race. Those three guys are the top guys right now. And they're going to let that play out and see who is the best for that, that job. And it was interesting because Todd Orlando, he noted how Ray Lynn is more versatile and could play both positions, whereas Raymond, his work in the summer has put him into this position. So I, I think it's just interesting because – I know I had to put a disclaimer because there's about to be outrage if I say this and present it like an original thought. It's not an original thought, but I feel like Raymond Scott is a guy who has just gotten lost because he's been a tweener so much. But if you actually give him time, I'm curious to see what he will do with that to actually have a shot to win a position. I just want to point out that Chris made an observation Watching practice made a, a good observation, and you thought it was a tinfoil conspiracy? Well, because he, com- wow. he, he came up to me. Oh, they just fist bumped. <laughs> he came up to me during practice and was like kind of out of breath. And was like, yeah, I guess I would say I was a little bit hurried. My glasses were like, Kaylee. Kaylee. Visual fit is I had, I had like hieroglyphs all drawn in my notebook. Like, Kaylee, look. I think something's happening. So in her defense, <laughs> I guess I can see why it's a little tinfoily. Because what happened was he told me this when Kanai Malga and Todd Orlando were like off way over to the side of the field just throwing a football back and forth. And he was like, I think there's a position change happening. And I'm I like, was, based I was whispering, on that? It was just, I, I can see why. I can see why she phrased it that way. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Fist bump for you. No. <laughs> But back to the actual topic at hand, yeah, I think Raymond Scott uh, has has worked his way into that mix, and I think that's only going to push those other guys in that competition. Competition is always a good thing because it just pushes everyone to you know be even better. So by pushing those guys coming into the spring, I mean coming into the fall, we were wondering, you know, what, what's going to go on at the inside linebacker. But we were wondering if one of those veteran guys has been injured, Jordan Iasefa or Solomon Tuli Alapupu, you know, they could get in the mix with those two guys that were returning as starters from last season. Instead, those guys are still working their way back. Jordan Iasefa hasn't done anything yet. Solomon Tuli Alapupu is still limited, though we are seeing him in, in you know doing all the individual drills and stuff. So uh, that's a good sign. You know, we'll see when he steps forward and can do some team stuff where he where his standing is in that mix and where some of those young guys that are behind them, 
Rajon Davis getting some second team reps. How quickly can he potentially, does he get in that mix with those three guys? That would be something uh, of intrigue as well. But, you know, give a lot of credit to Raymond Scott for the work he did in the offseason, seeing an opportunity and going and seizing that opportunity as well to get in that mix. Excuse me. old Raymond Scott stock. <laughs> I'm going to the moon, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Me and Gerard went all in in like 2015, how many years ago, and I've been holding on to this stock. You know, like in holes when they find the stock, the AT&T stock in the, in the treasure at the end? That's how old this looks. And I'm cashing in. I'm out of here, guys. I'm buying my own studio with this. With this, when this goes to the moon, I'm I'm out of here. When it goes to the moon, you yeah. still got some time. This is when I wish we were a but, video but podcast. This, but this is a bump. This is the green. You see the green. We're out to like ninety cents now. We're out to ninety cents. We're gonna break a dollar by the time the season starts. I lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> I I had a point. And I don't know what I was gonna say, but it's great to see Raymond Scott. He's a playmaker. I, I think he deserves and he's earned the right to compete for a starting job as a linebacker. He is a perfect fit, I think, for this Todd Orlando positionless rover, sideline to sideline kind of guy. The guy's a tackling machine. I think I think he's going no, he will be in the starting lineup August fourth. Book it. <laughs> August and I'm 4th. done. That was wow, six that days was... ago. September fourth, yes. <laughs> Four days ago. I'm seeing in the future. Let's just go with it. All right, move on. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I have nothing to add. Oh, no, shout out Taylor Katoa. We talked about the injured guy. He's back. He's like a he's like a freshman addition in a way because he hasn't like played in a long time. He's he's working with the second team a lot. Keely likes to mention that he's a bigger than she he, she remembers. He's got some size, so I think he's going to be a good good middle presence if you know if, the, if he's called upon to come into the place in minutes so i just thought it was interesting that gerard was debating and arguing with you about whether he could put him in the newcomer notebook right he's like an old comer kind of you know returning old newcomer old newcomer all right i'm done i'm checking out <laughs> all your energy yeah. went into that bit canceling take it or leave it <laughs> <laughs> okay good to know cornerbacks Delayed observations on Isaac Taylor Stewart because he was on paternity leave. So, Shotgun, you talked to one presumed starter in Chris Steele. What do you have to say? He said he's not a presumed starter. Oh. He said with Dante Williams, you know, you got to work every day. Or, you know, no spot is locked up. Now, we expect Chris Steele to be in the starting lineup every game. Um, I think Isaac Taylor Stewart's the guy that's going to be there beside him. But he's got a couple days to catch up with. Uh, you, you know, we've seen some of the young guys already, Sierra Wright, Prophet Brown. They've been in there getting a lot of reps as well. Joshua Jackson, you know, continues to make plays at the cornerback position. So I think there's going to be a pretty good battle there, even though I feel like Chris Steele and Isaac Taylor Stewart are way ahead of everybody just from their experience. And I think Isaac Taylor Stewart's ready to take that big jump forward. But those young guys are making some plays too. Going into fall camp, I've, I figured a lot of my attention would be on, you know, Sierra Wright top 100 prospect a guy Dante really built up in uh in the offseason kind of that springtime when he when he when he came out and talked about all his uh his new guys but Prophet Brown is the guy I keep 
looking down on my notes and I'm seeing notes from him, I, I really like what he's doing out there. He's he's got he's got some good plays on his uh, under his belt already. I feel like he just needs more reps, time to grow. We've seen him get a couple of team reps, but you know, I like I like Prophet Brown's game right now. You know, highly athletic guy, guy who's recruited as a running back coming out of high school. So a lot of athleticism. I'm liking what he's doing. Um, but outside of that, I mean, quarterbacks have been pretty steady for me just because, you know, we obviously have Chris Steele, like you said, Isaac Taylor Stewart. Those guys can't pencil them in or put it in pen that they're starters, but that's who we feel will be the starters come uh, August 4th or is in my mind September 4th. Uh, but yeah, I think pretty standard across the board there. Yeah, Isaac Taylor Stewart has only practiced once, but we already made, see, saw him making some plays. You know, he's not in shoulder pads like everybody else. He's wearing a yellow jersey. He's got to go through the acclimation period. But, you know, charging up to attack a short throw and, and, you know, making plays like that, getting his hands on the ball. So I think that he is ready to take that jump forward. I think he's going to have a big season. Chris Steele, I talked to him, and one of the things he talked about that he's really worked on this offseason, he said probably the area he's grown the most is just moving his feet better. You know, he's gotten those ticky-tack fouls uh, in the past, getting those flags for holding or for pass interference. So he's really worked on moving his feet uh, so that he can be – he's been in position, but so he's not getting those calls. So he's using his feet more than his hands there. And he talked about how he's worked with Drake London about his hand positioning as far as catching the ball so that he can turn some of those pass breakups into interceptions. So I wouldn't be surprised that he has a really big season either. I try to get him to give me his individual goals – he said, I can't do that. I got, after the season, after the season, I'll let you know which ones I accomplished, which ones I didn't. Uh, but he's got some really high goals, he says, for himself and for the team. Obviously, for the team, he said, national championship is the goal. You guys said all the, the notable notes. The only one that I have left in my mind is that I just think that Sierra Wright, he seems like he needs to grow into his frame a little bit more. He still kind of has that high school body, and it's kind of expected when you're a fallen enrollee and you don't have that that lifting time. But and you, th- when you miss a week for Space Jam premieres and stuff, yeah, that also that's counts. Oddly specific. <laughs> yes, but that that's just my little cornerback uh, thought. One other guy to note is that we haven't discussed at all is Doran Hewitt. I think that he. You know, he wasn't really in favor with the coaches last season, but I've seen Dante Williams taking a lot of extra time coaching him up individually. So maybe he's a guy that we that surprised a little bit and jumps in the mix, kind of how he did as a true freshman with the old coaching staff as well. I think that's a great point about Hewitt because if you look at the roster, he's the only other cornerback that has like real game experience. So that's valuable. Already one last position group outside of special teams, safeties. I think we can all agree that Isaiah Polamau has definitely taken a step forward as far as leadership goes, being that older vet, um, both on and off the field. I know we mentioned in Instant Analysis a moment on Monday where he was coaching up Kalen Bullock, kind of told Craig Navarro, no, no, I got it, I got it, go back to the field, I can teach him what you need me to teach him. So I think that has been a notable one where he's that guy where we've seen, you know, if you come back and you know, hey, this is my final shot to really develop and grow as a leader and that light bulb goes on all right clay hilton he's definitely one of those guys the big surprise for me i guess is that the ascension i don't want to say surprise but the ascension of kalen bullock into that that backup nickel spot i mean i don't think coming in we thought that he would be the clear leader out of the three early enrollees uh coming into spring but here he is he made plays in the spring looks like he had a good off season He's getting rewarded by being, you know, on the second team defense uh, at that nickel spot. Not really a position we saw him work a ton at. 
Um, but I guess they like him there. He's got potential. He's long. He's rangy. He's got good ball skills. He, he can cover, you know, a bigger receiver uh, that that lines up in the slot. And then my other standout has just been, or my other takeaway has been Jalen Smith, who's just super twitchy, super That's athletic. Exactly the words that, that Chris Steele used about him. Super twitchy. I stole his words that you told to me, so I it's a double steal. Could just you went just with it like did you came up with it? <laughs> just super athletic. He's got some good coverage. I like the competitiveness out of him. Mm. Um, and those are kind of my primary takeaways. And I do feel dumb for initially slotting Chris Thompson Jr. as a nickel when he's playing more of that strong safety spot. And I, I did note that I do not know where Chris is going to line up. He could easily be a nickel because he's a little bit bigger. But they have him at the strong safety, which makes sense to me now that I'm seeing it. So that's kind of where he's been. And then Alfred's still kind of in that backup. Uh, free safety spot. I mean, I think the first observation about the safeties just that pops immediately when you see the group is there's so many of them. There are so many safeties right now. Now, I think there's a clear divide between the veteran guys being Isaiah Palmau, Chase Williams, Greg Johnson, and that entire rest of the younger guys. Because those three veteran guys, they go through the drills and they're right in front of us. So Craig Nivars, you know, they go through them and they are right on point with every little drill. They've done these drills so many times. Whereas the young guys, Nivar's on them constantly saying, you got to do this, you got to do this. He's you know working on their technique, working on their form. Um, so I think there's a divide there. And if I was to guess, I would say those three veterans would be the starters right now. Now, how quickly do those young guys take a step forward? Zayvon Alford and Chris Thompson both have some playing time in the SEC in the Big 12. So, you know, can they make a big jump, you know, just as they learn the defense and, and you know, go forward? I talked to Chase Williams. You know, he just he just sounds so much more mature now than when he first got to USC, just, you know, understanding his position, understanding everyone around him. That's the thing that Isaiah Polamau also talked about is that they they know the defense, but they also know the positions around them so they can, you know, they can move a guy, they can move a linebacker in front of them or they can, you know, say they can give tips and pointers as the play is about to develop. Um, and I think Isaiah Polamau is not only is he taking on that leadership role and Chase Williams as well, but Isaiah Polamau is making plays too. He had a great interception yesterday where he watched the quarterback, one of the young quarterbacks hesitated, saw a deep crossing route. He came off of his coverage area and went and made an interception. Easy pick for him. Uh, and the quarterback never saw him coming across. So that's the type of plays that we're seeing from him. A lot of range as well. Talk about Kalen Bullock is a guy that we didn't know where he was going to line up. And I, st- I don't think we still know where he's going to line up. He's been playing in that slot and, you know, in that nickel position, but I think he can line up in different places. I mean, he played some cornerback this spring. So um, he has a lot of versatility and talked with Chase Williams and Chris Steele, and both of them mentioned Kalen Bullock as a ball hawk and a guy with a ton of range. And he's a guy we talked about in the spring who had to add some weight, and we're seeing some, some weight being added to that frame. Still got to add some more there. Um, but we're seeing him, you know, make some strides there as well. So he's a guy to keep an eye on, definitely, just like you said, Chris. And Jalen Smith, I love the competitiveness. You brought it up. There was a touchdown over him. One of the tight ends was just too big. It was a, a good throw, a high throw where Jalen Smith couldn't make a play on it. And the tight end kind of wanted to shake his hand afterwards, and he was like, I ain't having none of that. And he kind of pushed the guy away and went back to the huddle. And we saw, you know, a little bit later, you know, the next uh, period, or, or I think it was, he gets matched up against Malcolm Epps, even bigger tight end, and Jalen Smith's all over him, and, and Malcolm Epps can't make a play on it. So love to see the competitiveness from those freshmen. And you know he's a guy that 
by the end of the season, he's going to find his way into the rotation. You know, it may just be on special teams, but he's a guy that's going to make some plays for USC as long as he stays healthy. As you mentioned, Shotgun, we get to see the safeties much closer than any other position group. And I found it's been really interesting just seeing how Craig Nivar coaches and his individual approach to each player. Chris Thompson is a guy who he's very on and make sure like he I've because I've filmed the safeties a lot and I've seen Chris Thompson redo drills many, many times because Nivar just expects perfection out of him. And so I think it's just interesting seeing what Nivar's trying to get out of him. Whereas on the flip side, Kalen Bullock is someone where he has more of a mentorship tone to uh, his coaching style. And he's, he's really trying to tell him, Hey, do this better. And then when he does do it, he's really like, he gives them a lot of praise. So I just think it's interesting how Nivar has kind of like molded his approach to each player and, and the certain guys he's targeted so far in camp. Do you think that the whole writing Chris Thompson goes into other aspects of his life? Like when he's in line for the buffet, like, hey, you can't get that ranch. It's too much fat. Got to get the low fat rushing. Low fat. You got to get low fat. Do, do we think that Craig Nivar is constantly over Chris Thompson's shoulder yeah, in all everything. aspects just of life? All is that what aspect, you're yes. No, I don't think so. But I think it is interesting, like Keely mentioned, the different ways he's approaching different players. Now, maybe that's Kalen Bullock was here in the spring, and maybe he was doing that same thing to him when he first arrived. Maybe that's just that he has high expectations for Chris Thompson. Or maybe it's just the player's personality. And I think you have to be able to coach players in different ways to get the most out of them. You can't, you can't cookie-cutter it. You can't coach each player in the same exact way. Some guys need a pat on the back. Some guys need a kick in the butt. Um, so identifying that and finding the ways to reach players to help to push them to their potential is one of the toughest parts of coaching. And I think that you're seeing different approaches – tells you that I think that Craig Nivar understands that and is going to be able to to reach some of those players probably even better than maybe other position coaches are with theirs. Very quickly, special teams, too early for real observations, but just who are we seeing returning right now? Yeah, I mean, we haven't got to talk to Coach uh, Sean Snyder yet. You know, we'll get an opportunity to talk to specialists, uh, I believe, today, you know, the day we're, we're recording this. But I think the interesting thing is that we, we know who's going to kick off. We know who's going to be the field goal kicker, the punter. Who's going to be back there returning for USC? And, you know, there's been some interesting guys not in the mix, maybe. I thought Prophet Brown would be a guy in the mix. He has not been. But we've seen Sierra Wright back there. We've seen some Katie Nixon. Uh, we've seen Keontae Ingram, you know, and Taj Washington. So it's been an interesting kind of mix of running backs and receivers and Sierra Wright kind of being thrown in the mix when Prophet Brown's a guy I thought maybe he would get in the mix, too. And maybe that's a down-the-line thing for a freshman, you know, that they're waiting and wanting to, him to focus on something. But any any thoughts from you, Chris, on the returners so far? No, I mean, you kind of hit on most of them. But obviously the main constant has been Mr. Gary Bryant Jr. has been still ha- – haven't seen anything that tells me, like, oh, it's not going to be Gary. I still feel strongly that it's Gary on punt and then probably Gary on kick. So I expected to see that. We expected to see that, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I think one interesting thing is, I didn't even mention Gary Bryant because he's just kind of the Bear. established guy, yeah. is that the no, the times I've noted it, the pairings on kickoffs, is that it's been one guy, it's been like one running back and then one speed guy. So it's a guy that can break a tackle versus a, an end a guy that you know is just straight out speed. Um, so I don't know if that's something that they'll continue down the road or if the running back will be used as the blocker in front, You know how exactly they're doing it. But I just thought it was interesting to note because I remember seeing yesterday Keontae Ingram and Taj Washington together at one point. Um, so we'll see if that's something that 
is you know down the line if that continues as well if you know they're looking for a running back to be in front of a Gary Bryant uh, you know use his speed and then have a running back so they can block because they're used to pass blocking all those things I call it an escort there you go you know it's especially fun when you have an escort and the escort doesn't have to do anything but actually escort they don't have to give a block you have a big hole both of you get to run through it and you can high five on the way to the end zone of course back to our ref probably throw a flag <laughs> boom well, those are our initial thoughts from three days of fall camp. Excited to see football again. Excited to have things to watch and observe. I'm sure we'll have more takes as we see more practices under our belt. And excited to have the opportunity to observe. Yeah. You know, thanks to USC for giving us different vantage points and, and you know, being uh, listening you know, to what we said after the spring, you know, getting to see from the aquatics deck just a different angle and being able to see a couple different things from that different angle, too. Yep. Alrighty, well, let's jump into questions. First one is from Reggie, who says, Wide receiver should not be a position USC fails to close top recruits at. Is the message Coach Kerry Colbert sending falling on deaf ears with top wide receivers, especially ones on the West Coast? I feel like we can ask this question every week. And you say that I'm every going, week. I'm, we should start banning these questions. I mean, after a weekend that USC had, I think this is a valid question. For... Those who don't know what she's referencing, local five-star caliber wide receiver 2023 Makai Lemon committed to Oklahoma, joining his quarterback, whose name I cannot remember, Malachi Nelson. And then five-star caliber modern-day receiver CJ Williams committed to Notre Dame 24 hours later. So took a couple on the chin there for the local West Coast wide receivers. And then also uh, T-Mac, Tetoroa McMillan, has announced his commitment date. And as of present time, USC is not the favorite there for that. Uh, Judy asked as well, she said, I'm feeling salty about missing out on local recruits. Most recently, C.J. Williams from Modern Day. Can any of you tell anything to make me feel less salty about this? No. (laughs) Be honest. I mean, you can't miss on all these super talented receivers and it makes me wonder if they've just changed their you know prerogative as far as wide receiver recruiting because they've done a really good job as far as going into the transfer portal and bringing back some talented guy that have some experience talking about Jake Smith talking about Taj Washington talking about Malcolm Epps but you got to be able to recruit the freshmen that are right I mean the high schoolers that are right in your backyard as well and they're not doing a good job of it. At Johnny5 has two questions for us. First one up is, with the unfortunate Brew McCoy situation, who will be the starting four wide receivers? So am I just doing four wide receivers? Or am I factoring tight ends? It's I'm, up to you. I'm just going to do wide receivers. It's going to be uh, Drake, Taj on the outside, Gary, and Kyle on the inside. Interesting. That's, that's my lineup. Interesting choices there. Um, I don't think there will be four starting wide receivers because I think the tight end position will take a step forward. And it'll be three of those four guys that you talked about that will be in the mix. Clip that. Oh, yeah. For like week six. He also asked, will Corey Foreman and Drake Jackson combine for 10 sacks and 10 tackles for loss this season? That's a lot. Well, if he gets 10 sacks, that's 10 tackles for loss. So we can eliminate that portion of the question. So will he get... Will they combine for 10 sacks? 10 sacks. I'm going to say yes. Yeah, it's, I think like Drake can get like eight or nine, and then mm-hmm. Corey just has to get like two. I think that's doable. So in 12 games, yeah, I think 
I think we could do we can do that. They can do that. I'm part of this group. Can Corey Foreman, Drake Jackson, oh, you're a Chris Q-B- Trevino. You're a QB killer now? Look, I used to be a hunter. I used to be a, <laughs> a defensive killer. end, baby. I used to be a, they call me Senor Sack, baby. I, I, I used to <laughs> I used to get after it, baby. With the little oh, swim, move? swim move, huh? This, this better watch out. You don't want none of this like rip move. <laughs> he's fighting his podcast mic. So about that wiggle on them hips. <laughs> wondering. We got a question from Chris who says, it feels like a make or break season, not only for the team, but for Graham Harrell specifically. At times, it feels like his ego and stubbornness have gotten in the way of expanding his scheme. I can't remember the last time a USC team out game planned and out schemed a team. That's not really a question. Yeah, it's not he really put a question mark at the end to kind of like slip I it in. I can't remember. If you can't remember, man, that's that's on you. I can't help you <laughs> with that. But look, I just think, whoa, well, the easiest one. I don't even know if it's the last time, but Washington State. Yeah, they definitely had a much better <laughs> game plan than Washington State that game. Or going back to Keaton's first year, Stanford deciding to play man the entire time against USC, or Utah trying to play man the entire time against USC. Yeah, those definitely USC won the battle there on the the game planning. So it has happened. Um, I'm not going to go back individually each game and try to determine a winner or loser in the game planning. But I I think Graham Harrell does come up with some nice schemes at times when he puts some specific things in. There was a slant and go against UCLA that was specifically added for that game plan that resulted in a touchdown to Tyler Vaughn's. But... I would like to see a little bit more creativity um, and, and using those wide receivers in different ways, trying to exploit mismatches. Will we see more of that this year? Will there be more rotation? I think there's some things that, that can be added to the game plan that we haven't seen in the past. And I think in the spring we saw some instances of some new things being added that possibly came from the addition of Clay McGuire to the coaching staff. I think he that Graham Harrell completely trusts Clay McGuire, as I've said in the past, Played together, played under, coached under, you know, coached with, coached over now, basically. So just run the whole gamut of their relationship. And I think that, you know, that he trusts Clay McGuire and Clay McGuire has, you know, has said that he's going to talk about potentially going under center and doing some different things. So we'll see if those things result in the in the fall, them doing some different things as well. Wasn't even a freaking question, and you still did thirty on it. <laughs> it was not thirty. Uh, whatever. Joseph had a question that's similar. It's a similar train of thought. He said, "I thought Chris Trevino brought up an interesting point here." What? Joseph, I'll uh, Venmo you later. <laughs> Just DM me that. They had Keenan Christen come in as the fastest track athlete in the state of California. You have to find a way to get that kind of elite speed in open space, regardless if, quote, that's not what we do, end quote. Schemes should adjust to your talent. Look, thank you for bringing up my point. Keenan has speed that no one else on the team has. You just need to find a way to get it. I don't know what it is. Move him out. Make him a little receiver. Put him on the slot. Whatever. I know it's kind of tough with the amount of veteran running backs they have, but technically Keenan is a veteran running back because he has starts to his belt, starts under his belt. He has uh, experience, a little bit jammed up, a little bit uh, crowded in there, especially with Jinx wanting to go with the one A one B kind of deal. So not not much hope there that you'll see a rotation like we we've seen in the past with a bunch of bodies mixing in. But you just got to find a way, drop some plays, get on the whiteboard. Whatever. 
Yeah, this is exactly what I was talking about with Graham Harrell's being a little bit more creative and in, in using potential mismatches. Opening up a hole for a running back would be great too. Um, and one way that they could potentially get him on the field, one of the big questions about him at running back is, hey, can he pass block well enough? Well, we've seen in the spring a good amount of two-back sets. Now, part of that was because of the wide receiver depth, but we saw some two-back sets. Maybe that's a way that you get him in the backfield and you can hand the ball off to him or then swing swing the ball out to him, use him as a, a swing receiver uh, versus you know having him stay in to block. Uh, so you basically take that part of his game, part of the – you basically take that part of what he needs to do away and therefore you highlight his positives and take away the negatives. So that's something maybe we see a little bit of using him in two-back sets or something like that. But, yeah, I think that he's a guy that you want to get the ball in his hands because once he breaks through, he gone. We got a question from B. Miller who says, what are the serious concerns surrounding the offensive line? How concerned is USC on the depth of the defensive line? Some things we've touched on. The serious concern surrounding the offensive line is pushing people forward. I mean, that's the biggest concern. And be able to pick up a yard and when everyone knows you're running the ball. And that starts with communication, but also starts with just physical strength and pushing forward, knowing, knowing your assignments, all those type things. Uh, so that's obviously the big concern there. And Clay McGuire even said himself when we were talking about where his biggest improvements with a lot the the unit has been. He said, you know, they're getting they're more comfortable with the run techniques we're using now. But then he kind of just like shifted gears and kind of threw out there. We didn't really ask him this, but he was kind of like, we have to get better at pass protection. We need to get be better at pass protectors. You know, they know who they're supposed to be blocking. We just got to give Keaton more time. So I think that's the question, the answer there. As far as the depth of the D-line, it's a big concern at nose tackle in particular, especially if you do have an injury there. You're really, really thin, and you're relying on young guys right now. So getting Sopsher back healthy and in the mix is, is really key for USC. Vic said he's not concerned, so I'm also going to say I'm not concerned because I don't want to anger that man. <laughs> so no problems. <laughs> you don't want no problems. Stephen Poway has a similar question on the train that we're on right now. On the path we're on right now. Choo-choo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, Dear Failure Feud team, by my count, there are nearly twice as many offensive linemen as defensive linemen listed on the official USC roster. There are also 10 tight ends listed there as well. I know these numbers are somewhat rough right now, but with such high-profile players as Brandon Peely and Jay Toya not being available to play for USC this fall, have you heard any discussions about some of the offensive line players or even tight ends considering moving over to the other side of the ball, at least on a temporary basis? If not, what is your opinion on this? I have not heard anything like this, I and I've seen it thrown out there on the P. You know, someone was like, could Justin Dietrich be thrown away? It was like, over Maguire's dead body. He's not letting <laughs> his most valuable offensive lineman go. Because, the, the, I mean, in theory, I don't think USC has a, a lot of game-ready offensive linemen, so, and there's a lot of development. But I don't think you want to stunt that development to throw him on the defensive side. So I'm going to say no. I don't think there's any talk right now of, like, throwing Mason Murphy, who I did see play defensive tackle at a game against Modern Day. And he was... Kind of decent, but I haven't heard anything like that. No, off the top of my head, there's no one that really, you know, if they really need somebody, who do they move? There's no one that kind of jumps to mind. More so on the other side would be, if you need an offensive lineman, Jamar Sakona is a guy who we've seen and, and played pretty well at that position in high school. So, But on the offensive line side, there's no one that really jumps to my mind. Like, that guy was really good in high school at this. Not necessarily. 
ship has sailed on Sakona's body's change. He's not a he's not an O line anymore. I know, but I'm saying if there was a dire need, that's a guy that would jump to mind. There's no one on the offensive line that jumps to mind. Also, I don't think the tight ends would help that much on the defensive side just because they need like tackles. None yeah. of them have like a tackle body. Ethan Ray, as a tight end, he played defensive end in high school as well, but still not completely healthy, still not full participant yet. Anthony in L.A. wanted to know, for all three of us, who are you most excited to see going into full pads? So just one. We're going to play this game just one. Yes. No one go over. <laughs> Why are you pointing at me? Because you go <laughs> over. Or list entire position right. groups. Well, I'm really interested in the whole That would just be one. Uh, oh one person. I'm going to say Chris Thompson Jr. Mm-hmm. He had that really nice pop on Barlow, and I'm like, and I thought... He hits like a backer, and I can't wait to see what he does with the pads come on. So that's my answer. I'm going to go with Malcolm Epps, just because that is a big man, and he's going to be bigger in pads. And also, Shaka mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but can he still be productive once he puts the pads on, once he puts his hand in the ground, et cetera, et cetera? I just want to see his full potential in game-like uniform. I'm going to break a rule here. If... He comes back and is fully healthy. Um, this is a good one. I, yep. Solomon Tuliala. That's a good one. I mean, that's the guy I would want to see. That's breaking the rule a little bit. How's that breaking the rule? Because my rule is that he's not not oh, to talk about you're it. Breaking your own rule. Oh, it all comes back. Oh my back. god, lady! You don't <laughs> listen to anything I say. I said it was my own rule. To be fair, it wasn't very. We clear. zone out. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Gustavo has a question for us about our jobs. He says, how long did it take you guys to get in reporter mid-season form? Or do you still feel like you're still working to get there? I know you all had to shake off that rust from all the 2020 Zooms. It's true. I got fiery on the first day, so I'm, I'm already back. <laughs> yeah, he's ready. It usually takes me like a couple of practices to get into the groove, and then it's like you're off and running. Honestly, it would be different for me, but I covered a lot of baseball in the spring, so... Yeah, I think the biggest thing is one, actually being able to have like 3D interviews. That's nice. It's much easier to do that. 3D. And then just the speed of observing practice, especially not being able to do that in 2020 at all. It's just, it takes time to get into that. And so it's still a work in progress for me, but still, it'll get there. I'll be honest. My, my hand has been aching from writing because one, I went to a baseball tournament and wrote a lot of notes too, but... Just because you're speed writing, basically, when you're trying to take notes on plays and stuff. And yesterday, last night when I got home, I was like, man, my hand's sore. What the hell's going on? Oh, yeah. I've been writing much more than I did any time in the last year and a half because you just write everything on your computer when you're taking notes there. I will say, though, it felt like we were back because yesterday, Shuckin had this classic statement of, catch the ball, which <laughs> is just, you know, we're at practice when Shuckin is complaining about that. So that was fun. John has a question. The position is called receiver. Yes. That means you're supposed to receive the ball into your hands. True. I don't understand why they make it so difficult. Very true. John had a question that said, will USC be better at stopping outside runs this year? To be determined. To be determined. I think we need to see where those safeties are coming down to help out and all those ty- those type of things as well, as well. Which linebackers are in the middle, You know how well they move sideline to sideline. I think it's still a, a big to be determined there. Final question, and I'm excited about this one. Oh, no. SC and SG said, can we get a Chris Trevino, USCFootball.com origin story? He is such a great part of the family now, but what was it like when the Scout 247 merger happened? Was he sending resumes elsewhere? Was he surprised to join the team? How comfortable was he, etc.? 
Well, first of all, Chris is never comfortable. So I'll just hit on the facts. The merger happened. I was still under contract for about two more years, so I wasn't sending resumes anywhere. I was just part of the team. I wasn't surprised just because, you know, we knew the merger was happening. So I was, I guess, aware that it was happening and that I was going to be part of the team. And I was very uncomfortable. (laughs) He was just super excited, though, to be joining USDfootball.com. Let's be honest. It's it's weird going from a one-man operation to the biggest site. Uh, It's like Walmart acquired the small mom and pop down the street. And you're still under contract. You're like, oh, crap, now i got to work for Walmart? <laughs> right. Were you bitter at all? Be honest. Honesty hour, Chris. Bitter? Not bitter, but, you know, a little like, mm, I don't want this. It was nice to have help. Oh. Didn't know what the role would be. Didn't know what my role would be, you know? You were still utility man. Very, very hard worker. So props to you. Well, on that note, time for me to pass it over to you, Chris Trevino. It's time for some take it or leave it. Shotgun Keely. What do you guys like to do after, you know, like a, a hard day's work of podcasting? Like, like, how do you unwind after a nice, tough, invigorating debate on this show? How do you guys unwind? I eat a Honeycrisp apple. Okay. I procrastinate editing the podcast we just recorded. <laughs> That's just true. <laughs> right. Well, you know what I like to do? No, we don't, Chris. <laughs> what do you like to do? Oh, he's going in his, his bag. bag. I like to. <laughs> I like to. <laughs> what are you drinking? Oh, it tastes like piss. <laughs> I like to unwind with a nice, Odul's cold, refreshing beer. And with the recent announcement, an Odul's. Well, I can't actually drink on air, shotgun. <laughs> Thanks for ruining the bit. (laughs) It does contain 0.4% alcohol. No, it doesn't. I just Google it. (laughs) Chris is not going to be able to drive to campus. (laughs) Oh, that's unfortunate. It says non-alcoholic. Anyway, with the recent news that alcohol sales are coming back to the Coliseum, Mm -hmm. we are proud for today's fake corporate sponsor to be Ballast Point Brewing Company in conjunction with the Coliseum. The Peristyle Booze will be coming to the Coliseum for 2021. Peristyle branded alcohol. Go to Sex and G, 135. There's a janitor's closet that we've turned into a speakeasy. Ooh. Every week there is a new password to get in. It will be sent out on Gaucho's email list every Friday night. Good to know. There's some signature cocktails. We got the Kissing Cousin, which is named after me. It's a Corona and two shots of cranberry, two shots of tequila with cranberry, all mixed in one. It's beautiful. It's like a sunrise. Okay. We got the shotgun blast, which is just a double shot of whiskey and a Red Bull. <laughs> Solid. We got the IA IPA, instant analysis IPA. Oh, okay. Which is a gluten-free orange-flavored beer, and a nod to your OC roots. We got the Bobby Steiner and the boys, which is just a shot of Irish whiskey and a flight of six Irish beers. (laughs) This is good stuff. We have the Clay Helton, which is nine different liquors and three fruit juices. If you pick up on that one, let me know. Take the edge off another roller coaster season and leave your car keys with your DD. Ballast Point Brewing. Our beer goggles for a football team a thing. (laughs) 
So thank you to Ballast Point Brewing Company. We can not wait to try those delicious beverages at on August 4th, a.k.a. September 4th. <laughs> at the speakeasy. At the speakeasy. While we're working. Question mark? After post post game, yeah, you know how alcohol sells in the third quarter. I think the speakeasy obviously stays open a little later. Mm, okay, must be twenty one and older to join our speakeasy. Obviously, drink responsibly, and you must be twenty one and older to participate. As always, let's get it going with the corporate take it or leave it. Coach's poll came out today. USC number fourteen. So take or leave. USC is a top fifteen team. Take. Schedule set up for them. Mm-hmm. Offensive line does her job. Could be a really good season for USC. Top 15 means you can have three losses at the end of the season and be a top 15 team. So I think they at least can be in that mix. Yeah, I'll take it as well. Moving on. USC will have at least one more three-fight practice. Take it. There's a lot of people with that want to prove themselves. So I think that leads to... You know, similar to like I talked about with Michael Jackson, freshman coming in, wants to prove himself. You got a lot of freshmen, a lot of transfers this year, and a lot of position battles. So I think you're going to see the feistiness be ratcheted up. I'm just saying because one player said they were on like a three strike rule with these with these fights, and they they broke it on whatever that Saturday. So maybe they'll be a little more cognizant about not getting three fights in one day. I'm going to take it just okay. because if we're seeing this chippiness prior to putting full pads on something's gotta happen espn got it right dubbing usc wide receiver u they did a recent position u rankings and usc came out on top as wide receiver u over oklahoma ohio state florida alabama i think this is my first official t-vid of fall shotgun is the history expert he looks at history I'm going to take it. USC is a really good run. Um, you know, if it was a farther, more in-depth one, maybe not. But I think you take it with in the BCS here. Moving on. Taj Washington will lead the team in yards after catch and yards per catch in 2021. I'm going to leave that. I'll tee that because I'll take the first part and leave the second part. Yeah, Drake London will get yards per catch. Just to point out, his yards per catch was higher than Drake London's last year. It would have led the team. But he wasn't surrounded by the same talent he is now. Also, are they actually going to use someone to take the top off the defense consistently? Ishmael Sopcher will not play before the bye week. Leaving it. I'm taking that. Wow. Um, Given USC's injury history and how guys have come back from things, I think that's a safe take it. I could see how you're taking it. However, I'm going to be optimistic. Well, yeah, I, you obviously hope for the best, but... Well, I'm being optimistic. I'm saying okay. I'm leaving it. Okay. I believe I've said this one, but we're rehashing it after time has passed. Jonah Monheim will be in the starting lineup week one. Leave it. <laughs> Shotgun's really straining about this. It's hurting his brain. Leave it. However, Ooh. I think he'll be in a rotation. <laughs> I mean, Clay McGuire did say that a rotation is possible. I think he'll get some drives. Now, will that be one drive per half, or how will that work? Will it be every other drive? I don't know, but I think he'll be in the rotation. Joseph Manjack will have more touchdowns than Michael Trigg. 
Take this it. season. This season. Yes. Take Not it. Not career. Take it. Okay. Better chance to get in the starting lineup. And finally, the new Gowsgate? Goo. Goose Gate. That's it. Yeah. Just because there's a door now, a better door. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the old gate, gate is actually not the door. Itself. The old it's gate was over. a the gate sort of tradition of camp in the season. Just the getting stuck. <laughs> yeah, it was just like you could tell who was new. a rookie, yeah. a rook, and you could it was it was a nice little like identifier. I'm still taking it. It's a much better gate. Well, obviously, I'm leaving it because that's nostalgic. I like the, the non-functioning sliding door. All right. That wraps up Corporate Take It or Leave It. I just got a couple fun ones. In honor of Prophet Brown's nickname, Peanut Butter, which one are you taking? Smooth or Chunky? Smooth. Chunky. Oh, shotgun. Also, this is not Take It or Leave It, but okay. Yes, it is. You take one, you leave the other. Okay, fine. <laughs> I've fine. said this multiple times. Okay, fine. You're a chunk man? Ugh. Yeah. Just a chunky. How are you surprised by this? I guess, I guess, I guess, yes. He it, literally it ate sense. an apple core in front of you yesterday. <laughs> he eats orange, like apples. Peels, yes. Yeah, you're a chunk man through and through. I want texture in my peanut butter jelly sandwich. <laughs> okay, okay, slow it down. Mountain Dew is coming out with a like a four loco alcoholic Mountain Dew called Hard Mountain Dew. Oh, what really? Take or leave it. Take it. I was actually, I had this pulled up to ask you guys as well. Oh, I see. Especially, yeah. that's right there. Because I got you. Because of our, our corporate sponsor today. When I finally got into college, they banned Four Loco. Yeah. So I never had the like Four Loco experience. Oh, I bet Shotgun lived on Four Loco. <laughs> I did not live on Four Loco. Chunky peanut butter and Four Loco. <laughs> that's where you're living on, baby. <laughs> so are you taking it or leaving it? Taking it. You are? Yeah. Are you Mountain Dew? I'm a Mountain Dew. You're fan. a Mountain Dew and Chunky boy. Oh, I'm just learning so much. I feel like I don't drink soda, but Mountain Dew looks like it tastes like jet fuel. It fuels me. Oh. I'll take it a try. I try the the hard seltzers. I give them a, a go, and then usually I'm like, no Wait, thanks. Is it a seltzer? Yeah. yeah. Everyone's in the seltzer game, baby. Oh, okay. Then I'll I'll take it. <laughs> oh. I'm a seltzer gal. <laughs> All right. Uh, just overall, Crocs. I feel like Crocs are... I thought Crocs were going to die out. They made a resurgence And then they're just like yeah. hot now, and I just yeah. don't understand. They are. Yeah. That was like when I was in high school, people were wearing like grandpa sweaters. And I'm like, you guys look dumb. But it was like so dumb that it was cool. And now that's with Crocs as well. We're not talking about like crocodiles. No, the shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Leave it except for offensive linemen. Apparently they're really comfy. If you're like a nurse or a doctor, I will excuse you for wearing Crocs. But like just offensive linemen. I've seen platform Crocs. No. Okay. What? Yeah. Sorry, that's a leave it. Leave it except for offensive linemen. And medical professionals. Nope. And medical professionals. He's like, nope. You will have hobbled feet while you put in my IV from all this Mountain Dew hard and chunky peanut butter. That has made my heart explode. Uh, I said I would try the Mountain Dew. <laughs> and finally. I didn't bring beers into the podcast. It right is here. a non-alcoholic beer. Debatable. And finally, celebrities and this new trend of not bathing is this that, minimal, is that actually a real thing? In this minimal clean cleaning. I know, Shotgun, you're a big, like, n- minimal sleep guy. But are you a minimal non-bathing guy? Like, what? 
That's a real thing. That's a real I thought thing. It was just like a fake meme. That no, it's a doing. real thing. <laughs> Look, we as a society probably <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> bathe more than we need to. Oh no! But not bathing at all—that's no. Like you're not supposed to wash your hair every single time. You're not, right? Yeah. But I learned that when I had long hair. Yeah. So he's taking it. <laughs> no, I'm not taking oh, okay. it. Okay, I misread that. I said, as a society, we probably bathe too much, but you still need to bathe. So the question is whether or not bathing is celebrities, good. specifically celebrities. I think everyone should bathe. So take it. <laughs> Who wants to? You know, you meet your idol, that one celebrity you've always wanted to meet, and you go, "Oh, I'm so excited! I'm a big fan." Ugh, what is that? Just get Look, hit. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan, and he recently came to the defense of this movement. So now I need to meet him with the clothespin. <laughs> <laughs> and those are all my take it or leave it's guys. Thank you to Ballast Brewing Company. What's that section, guys? Say with me, section, section G, G one thirty seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where you can also try the new Mountain Dew, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll have to have that. In there. They'll have a full stack of things. But remember, speakeasy, parasol booze, only in section G one thirty seven. Why don't you say like one section one thirty three? Because it would rhyme and be cool. Because that's not where we got the janitor's closet. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> Take what we can get. And that's my time. And what? Oh. <laughs> oh, not a that good scared one. me. <laughs> no, I actually liked it. <laughs> I didn't. Shotgun, you need to pull your and one weight. It's hard screaming far away. Guys, what historical event would you go back and witness? You can you cannot interact with any of the surroundings. You cannot bring anything oh. back. You are just an observer. You're like a ghost. No one can see you. You can't touch anything. You were there just to observe, and you will be there for 24 hours. 24 what? hours? Yes. Oh, I know mine easy. Oh, okay. Go for it. D-Day. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? I, I, he I looks was, at history. I prep a lot of these questions with my friend group to see how <laughs> good they go, and I was like, will anyone have the balls to go back to D-Day? <laughs> really? Will anyone have the balls? And Shotgun, you have the balls. I mean, Band of Brothers, if you include the... Ten parts as one is the greatest movie possibly ever. It's an absolutely tremendous story. So, you're just discounting Saving Private Ryan. Like you don't have you can. That's like the closest that it's ever been to like realistic. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not going to be fun, but if I'm a ghost and you know, I don't know if I could do that. But great pick. Okay. Do you need more time because I can stall for you? Because it's interesting because Shotgun is picking a large overviewing event but you can also pick like something stupid and small like you can go back and see the last dodo die so this is the worst question to ask an indecisive person because there's so many events that you'd want to see because you could go like just specific for me like some type of beyonce event the first beyonce concert something good or she wants to waste it on a beyonce concert she can watch on youtube Exactly. No, I didn't say a concert. Maybe like she, I don't know. Okay, anyway. Book signing. Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say Mission Control for the first moon landing. Because I think that would be really the excitement. Like be in the room? Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. When everyone goes crazy? Yeah. I mean, just potentially seeing dinosaurs would be really cool too. That's that's true. You can go back with the uh, the meteor. 
we don't have to do the meteor event. <laughs> You're going to ride but, but, on but the But that's meteor. not a specific event. You're just saying, okay, Tuesday in the Mesozoic era. <laughs> Send me there, baby. Yeah. I would also like to go back and see the 1935 Pittsburgh Crawfords play and the Eager Leagues team had five Hall of Famers on it. Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson. It'd be fun to watch. Game seven of the Angels World Series and I'm sitting next to Biggins and Huffman. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't know you're there. That's fine. But then Is when they make answer? their jokes about it, I you can at least provide some commentary. Yes, you. You're picking something that you actually saw. I you was so you young. in person. I was so young. And are you kidding me? Do you think I'm going to see a World Series Game 7 win for the Angels in my lifetime? i got to go back in time. Yes, that is a valid point. Shagun, you you understood the assignment. You went Dinosaurs, D-Day. Oh, my God. She went to something she could YouTube. <laughs> What's your answer, Chris? I am an omnipotent participant. I do not... <laughs> yeah, participant. I do not... Ooh. You did say participant. Oh, I would, I would go back and watch... Julius Caesar getting murked. Oh, that's interesting. And if he actually said, et tu, Brutus? Yeah, and like, if I could take that knowledge back, like, maybe he didn't say that. Maybe he was like, say less. <laughs> and I could, would know that. Or I would solve a murder. Oh. I would solve a famous oh. murder. Jack the Ripper. Yes. That's the one I would go to. I could solve a murder. Would anyone believe you? Since you're a ghost. Here's the thing. <laughs> I would just have to... I would have to take ghost notes. <laughs> That's a terrible wink. Okay. Yes, but th- th- those are my answers. I would go with the big, or I would solve something significant for this for this time. I become so famous. But you said you can't change anything. But I can bring knowledge back to me. I can't like a, like you can't stop Jack the Ripper. But you could find out who he actually is. Yes. But then you're sat with that information like but i'm what when you come back Saddle. you can write a paper about it or something yeah or i could start a, a crazy a youtube channel what if i solve it though what if it's actually right i would start a serial podcast solving the murder but then people would think you're the murderer because how would you know that they would think i'm jack the ripper yeah that makes sense <laughs> what, lady? i'm just saying what intriguing question good answer shotgun yeah I w- i'm curious what people have to say so tweet us your and one answer if you've made it this far yeah i'd be curious to see who, what people would choose Alrighty, that's gonna wrap it up for this episode initial fall camp thoughts glad to be back glad to be seeing football talking with players and coaches it's fun actually being able to do our jobs again so very thankful we can do that that's gonna wrap it up that's shotgun that's chris i'm keely we'll see y'all next time hey CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 